You're listening to Every Song Has a Story, an independent podcast that aims to provide a platform for artists to talk about their inspirations and their unique process of writing songs. Big City Productions is committed to carrying on the conversation about local art and culture in your community. Hey, hey, what's up? It's here, episode 20. What an adventure we've had, talking to musicians, learning different strategies for songwriting, and getting advice from professionals who are busy entertaining crowds all over North America. We want to thank everyone for the suggestions and the support. We plan to continue to showcase songwriters who bring their passion to life through long hours and late nights. They deserve a platform that takes a deeper look into their songwriting process, and we take the opportunity to create this podcast seriously. Our next guest is a multifaceted artist who's always looking for a way to express himself. His diverse skill set includes digital graphics and painting portraits. He has also designed many album covers and has built an impressive portfolio of tattoos over the last 10 years. Yet he still found time to write and record a collection of songs that lean into a variety of musical influences and tell his story in a way that creates an honest representation of his experiences over the last few years. He recently released his debut solo album in Saskatoon at the Capitol Music Club. The personal nature of his songwriting establishes a connection with his audience and, as the North Sask music zine put it, he has some sort of magnetism that draws you in. For more information, check out our Instagram at Every Song Has a Story, or as always, BigCity.com. It's like digging for gold. You know, you still got to dig through the earth and you got to get through the topsoil and, you know, the crust and the rocks and the tree roots and everything to get down to it. If you're not willing to, you know, dig through the rough stuff, then you're not really going to get to the good stuff. Whenever inspiration strikes, it's just good to listen to it and, you know, get it down. Because like I said, once it's gone, it's gone. I'm Kit Langfield. I'm an Americana musician from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I'm here today to talk about my song, Belt Loops. Could you describe the day that the song came to you? Yeah, um, I was in Vancouver at the time. I'd, I'd been there for a while, and uh, I was out there for work and, uh, and a surgery, and I had this really long commute, and, you know, like, driving like an hour and a half to work each way, you got a lot of time to sit and think to yourself and... A lot of the time, like, my ideas for songs come up while I'm in the car, while I'm on road trips or driving, and I can really, like, take a moment to let my brain wander and have some, like, peace and quiet and not be completely distracted. But there was, um, I, I recall the night out in Swift Current uh, a couple of years ago, I was out with a bunch of people, and we were, we were all uh, we were all drinking. I think we were heading to, like, Lucky Charlie's or something like that. Hard to remember exactly. But one of the guys in the group kept uh, pulling his pants up and, he just looked at me and he was like, God, you know when you're just like living between your belt loops? And I'd never heard that before. And I thought that was hilarious. And I'd like, you know, just wrote like, usually if I get an idea for a song, I'll just write down a quick little like, you know, belt loops, love and fear, 
you know, coffee on a cold morning, whatever, kind of like save it for later. And belt loops was something that I'd saved for later. And I remember I was sitting in my car outside of where I was staying. And one day it just like the idea just popped in my head and it was like the lyrics were being shot down to me in a beam. And I just whipped out my phone and went into my notes and wrote the whole wrote all the lyrics like right there on the spot. And the lyrics that I used in the song are pretty much exactly what I wrote. And then obviously the studio, they, you know, the song itself became a bit embellished. I'd had a riff that I'd written a couple years ago as well and just figured they paired up. But the dual guitars and the big fuzz and everything, you know, that's just studio magic. You know, a little bit of help from uh, Aspen Beverage and uh, Paul Kuzbeck. He uh, helped me out with the guitar tracks on that. So we've got some cool dual lead action. Me on, uh, I think I was playing a telly and he was playing a Les Paul. But anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying that I wrote the song in my car. So could you tell us a little bit more about the inspiration for the lyrics? It was meant to be, like, a lot of my songs I write pretty tongue-in-cheek. They're almost meant to be, like, you know, poking fun at things or poking fun at myself a little bit. You know, just kind of a commentary on the way I figure you're living between your belt loops. You know, you're not quite, like, (laughs) you're gaining a little bit of weight, you're losing a little bit of weight. You know, your pants don't exactly fit. You know, you're you're kind of just trying to get around and you're just like always having to hike them back up. Kind of like a metaphor for life when things aren't going amazing, but things aren't going too bad. Like there's a line in the song like, uh, I'm working on my tan while I sit in hell. You know, just meant to be kind of like a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek commentary on, you know, make make the most of a bad situation. So basically the song is just like a description of, hey, could be worse, you know. In between my belt loops, trying just trying to get by. I'm not afraid of living low, but I still want to get high, you know. Basically saying like things aren't exactly where I want them to be. They could be a lot worse, but right now I'm just kind of in that spot in the middle, you know. And I'm just trying to make the best of it. So, did you have music in mind, or what came first, the music or the words? Nine times out of ten, I always write the lyrics. The lyrics just seem to come to me easier. And usually, like, I'll, I'll spit all the lyrics out and just kind of leave them alone for a bit. And I'll either come up with a riff later that I feel, oh, this could be paired with that. Or I'll revisit my lyrics, usually after I've forgotten I've written them down, and go, oh, okay, there's some potential there. Make some edits. And then try to find the music to fit it. But yeah. Nine times out of ten, it's always the lyrics first. So do you write in silence, or do you have music going? Sometimes I'll be listening to music, and I'll get an idea or, like, some inspirational strike, and then I've got to shut off whatever music I'm listening to because I don't want to be too heavily influenced by what I'm listening to. You know, like, there's definitely times where I'll take inspiration from other artists or other songs and stuff like that, but I never want to be writing my own stuff, like essentially in a copycat form you know i want to have silence and uh you know just uh just complete focus so that i can actually hear the words because a lot of the time this is how i know a song is going to be really good there are times where i'll sit down and i'll craft a song like i'll have an idea i'll try and write it out i'll try and come up with it you know and create it but to be perfectly honest a lot of the time I'll just be minding my own business. It's usually at the most inconvenient of times. And it's like a song is just being like beamed into my head from like an unknown force. 
and it's all I can do to write it down as quickly as I can before it disappears. Because once it's gone, it's gone. You're not getting it back. You know, inspiration strikes, right? Could you describe the perfect setting for writing a song? Hopefully not while you're driving, because it's pretty, it's pretty inconvenient to have to try and pull over and either scramble for your phone or, you know, find like a pen and paper. You know, my girlfriend's got me some pretty convenient little notebooks that I try to remember to carry on me at all times. But, you know, I, I guess a phone works pretty well for that as well. There's really no perfect setting. It's just when it comes, it comes. And hopefully whenever it comes, you're just not in the middle of a conversation or having to be rude and going, you know, like, everyone, shut up, I got to write a song. You know what I mean? It's, I guess the perfect situation would just be somewhere where it's quiet um, and I can just hear these words and get them from pen onto paper, you know, but I'm not too fussed or too bothered whether it's on an airplane or whether it's in a car or, you know, in my, in my apartment or in the studio wherever just whenever inspiration strikes it's just good to listen to it and you know get it down because like i said once it's gone it's gone and it'll never be quite as good as what you first heard in your head even if you try and replicate it in some way what did you learn when you were writing this song not sure if i really learned anything but one thing i noticed with this was kind of the rhythm of it like the rhythm of how the words are being done, like it, like the cadence of like, I'm living between my belt loops, trying just to get by. Like it just felt like it had this really sort of like groovy kind of feel to it where you wanted to convey energy, but you still wanted it to be laid back. And sometimes finding the balance in that is pretty hard, but I feel like we nailed it with this one. Did you write this song with a specific audience in mind? Not really. Uh, I just kind of write my songs and just hope someone will like it. I don't really care who likes it, you know. Um, if, I mean, as long as I like it, that's really all I care about. <laughs> it's less about writing for an audience. It's more just I wanted to write something that I was going to have fun playing. You know, usually whenever I'm writing, my focus isn't really on who I'm writing for but more how I'm going to play it, how the band is going to receive it, how we're going to be able to pull off on stage, you know? And I like playing fast, heavy, distorted guitars. I like playing something with some funk, with a bit of groove. You know, and this song, like, for anyone who's heard the song, it, it takes a journey, you know? It kind of starts out, you know, one way, and then it takes a pretty serious, you know, jump, and then there's like almost like, you know, shifting gears and lurching forward a little bit, you know, it's uh, it's got some ups and downs, but in a, in a really in a way that's really, really fun to play live. You know, it's kind of like riding a freight train through hell and you're just holding on for dear life. As the song plays through, I'm wondering what part continues to resonate with you. I'm not really sure, actually. Uh, to me, it, like what resonates the most about it is playing it live. Like I've got uh, the Brothers G as my backup band, and just like the chemistry and how we feel on stage. And you know, um, Paul Kuspic played the guitar. He didn't play all the guitar, but he was kind of like my dueling guitar on the album. But on stage, it's me and Jason Gall, and we've switched it up a little bit for the live show than what than what's on the album. So we've got this wicked, like, 
you know, like Finn Lizzy style dual lead. And, to, you know, same with like, there's this huge sort of time shift right after uh, Jason and I are done soloing, you know, which uh, Jordan and Elias, I mean, they're, they're just the most phenomenal rhythm section. And when all of us come back into it together, you know, from that sort of like breakneck uh, freight train that I was talking about, it's just one of the best feelings ever. So I guess that's really, you know, yeah, that's what I resonate with the most. You mentioned you performed this song. Maybe you could talk about a memorable time that you did. I mean, the uh, most memorable time, I guess, would be at the uh, Capitol for the CD release show. You know, uh, everything just went smooth. Everything fell into place. The energy was there. The crowd was there. You know, um, I nailed a great big dive bomb. <laughs> I definitely heard some people kind of, you know, have some reactions to. I don't think... Uh, too many people see a Gibson SG, you know, have a big whammy, like, dive bomb right in the middle of a song. But, yeah, that, that would definitely have to be it for me. What was the most challenging aspect of getting this song ready to record? Definitely uh, figuring out the leads and uh, with recording the vocals, like, trying to find that balance between having it stay laid back but also a sense of urgency and energy and kind of like we didn't want to sound like it was in fifth gear the whole time. It needed to be a build, you know, like a slow climb. And, uh, yeah, sometimes that can be difficult to pull off. It, it definitely took a few attempts, but, you know, uh, working in Skull Creek Studios, you know, it's nothing but the best. And Aston's such a great producer. He's, he's always uh, able to get me to where, where it needs to be. Where was this song recorded? <laughs> uh, Skull Creek Studios up in uh, Watchers, Saskatchewan. whole album was done there. Is that the first time you've recorded there? Um, yeah, first... Yeah, for, first album I've recorded there. I've recorded with Skull Creek Studios before. Um, it was just in a different location. But uh, I believe this is actually the first full-length album to be recorded at the new location. So who accompanied you on the recording for this song? Uh, for this song in particular, I had David Wickstrom on drums. I had Aspen Beveridge, uh, you know, who recorded, produced, mixed, engineered. But he also played bass and did harmonies. I had Bruce Rawling throw on some organs, some keyboard. Uh, Paul Kuzvik helped me out with guitar, so we had the dual leads. And I think that's everyone. I had a lot of people playing on the album, so if I've forgotten someone, like, I'm so sorry, and then I'll buy you a beer. But uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's everyone for this song. Were there any recording tricks or unique production techniques that were used when you were tracking this song? I don't know if I can say that there were any tricks. You know, I was pretty focused on uh, the guitar playing aspect of it. Um, one thing we did have at our disposal was just like a ton of cool gear. Like you, we literally had a wall of, you know, vintage amps. And, you know, between me and Paul, we've got, you know, enough guitars and pedals to start our own music store. So it was just nice being able to kind of have our pick of whatever we wanted to really dial in the sounds that we were looking for you know and it's part of like there are our own collections more or less but aspen's got a pretty uh pretty formidable collection of uh, cool amps up at the studio as well 
Is there a funny story that comes to mind when thinking back to the recording sessions? For this song, all I, all I can really think about was uh, that comes to mind is funny was me and Paul trying to lay down the leads, and for whatever reason, I just wasn't getting it that day, and I just did attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt, and just getting more and more like angry and frustrated, and you know, I, I think I must have done like anywhere between ten and twenty attempts to nail the solo. And uh, Paul plugged in and nailed his, I think, in one or two takes. <laughs> you know, and I think he just winged it, too. I don't think he wrote anything. He just, what what he did worked. You know, so I, I think I just remember just going, God, yeah, of course. Of course that's how it pans out. You know what I mean? But it was such a fun experience. And, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was a great song to record. I enjoyed every second of it. Where is the best place to find the song? So, Belt Loops has been released as a single. It's off my debut album, Restless. But you can find it anywhere on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, YouTube. Um, I'm going to have some live videos coming soon. We've got a Skull Creek session that myself and the Brothers G uh, played. And so, we'll have a live performance video of that. And I'm not... Yeah, yeah. That, that'll be the only uh, video of it out, but... It'll be pretty cool to be able to show people like how it's done live. But yeah, uh, I have a website as well. It's www.kitlangfield.ca. And everything I have is on the website, whether it's music videos, upcoming show announcements, links to uh, music, you know, uh, merchandise. It's all there. Where do you listen to music? When I'm like, so I'm, I'm in a long distance relationship right now. So when I'm in, uh, uh, my girlfriend lives in BC. So when I'm not with her, usually I'm listening to Spotify or, you know, the odd thing on YouTube here and there, like whether, you know, like a lot, I like, uh, watching and listening to live concerts, you know, so usually I'll go on YouTube for something like that. Um, I mean, live shows obviously are fantastic. That would be if I could just get all my music live and in person. That would be amazing, but not everyone has that kind of time. But when I'm home with, uh, with my girlfriend, uh, we've got a record player and we really like, uh, really like listening to vinyl. It's, uh, I I'm hoping at some point if I can get the funds together to be able to release my album on vinyl in the not too distant future. What can we expect from you in the future? I would say, uh, well, for right now, you know, um, I want to enjoy this album. It took a long time to make it, you know, and went through a lot, uh, you know, like a lot physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, all those things. Uh, creating it and getting it out there, I kind of want to reap as many rewards as I can from it. So my goal is to just play as many shows as possible. So I've got a bunch coming up uh, over spring and summer. And I'm hoping that people will be able to come and see and hear it live and, you know, appreciated in that sense but other than that uh once i feel ready and i've got another collection of songs under my belt i would love to go back into the studio and uh, start recording a second one i uh i i love full-length albums i'm not the biggest fan of releasing singles or eps and stuff like there's nothing wrong with that i have nothing against it i just know that for myself all the albums that i love are full-length albums. And that's one of the great things about vinyl. Like, I love every aspect of it. I love 
the album art. I love the way it's put together. I love the imagery, whether it's the art or the photography. I love the way the songs are arranged, trying to imagine, you know, like, was this done on purpose? Is there, you know, whether it's a concept album or not, like, you know, are they in order for a reason? Is there a chronological thing here? You know, it's just one of those things where, for my music, I would love to have a catalog of full-length albums that each one is its own, you know, little chunk of time and history that I can transport myself back to. All right, a hypothetical question now. If you had a last-minute show scheduled at a really big venue, who would you call to join you on the bill, and who would you like to join you on stage? Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I gotta have the Brothers G. You know, they're uh, three of the best musicians I've ever met in my life, and I, I feel more confident with them backing me and playing my songs than, you know, anyone else. They're just absolutely fantastic. Can't say enough good things about them. If we're talking about my all-time, like, fantasy show, you know, like, let's say we've got, like, five bands on the bill, you know, and I just happen to be one of them, so I guess I got to pick four bands. Oh, God. That's a hard one. Um, just off the top of my head right now, based on what I love, I would probably say, like, Guy Clark, Tom Petty, Queens of the Stone Age with Mark Lanigan, and, uh, oh, God, uh, Motorhead to finish the show. So when you're about to go on stage, what's running through your mind the minute before you go on? Uh, is my fly done up? You know, are all my buttons done up? Is my belt done up tight enough? You know, uh, am, I, am I wearing my shoes on the right feet? You know, how's my hair looking? Do I remember all the songs? There's just like so many things running through my mind. But usually right before I walk up on stage, you know, you just take that deep breath and everything calms down. And it's just like, all right, we're here to play. We're ready. You know, let's go get it. Usually before I go on stage, like, um, I'll sit down with the guitar unplugged and just kind of like run over the songs real soft and just kind of like just say the lyrics out loud one last time just so I know for sure that I know them, you know, or if the brothers G are there, then, uh, you know, we'll just practice our harmonies a little bit and, you know, they'll probably do a shot or have a, have a last cigarette or something like that while I check myself to make sure I'm wearing my boots on the right feet. What advice would you give to anyone starting out as a songwriter? Just do it. I mean, just put words to, like, just put pen to paper. I would say for every, like, good song that I write, and obviously I don't record or, you know, end up making every song that I think is good into, you know, something I'm going to play on stage, I would still say I've got to write 10 bad songs for every one song that I'm like, okay, there might be potential in this one, you know? And if you don't kind of get those bad songs out first then I don't really feel like, you know, it's like digging for gold. You know, you still got to dig through the earth and you got to get through the topsoil and, you know, the crust and the rocks and the tree roots and everything to get down to it. So if you're, if you're not willing to, you know, dig through the rough stuff, then you're not really going to get to the good stuff. So just, just do it. Just put pen to paper and don't worry about what other people might think. Or if you like the song, it's all that matters. Could you do a shout-out to anyone you think we should check out? 
Um, well, I mean, I think I've been saying it over and over here, but the Brothers G, obviously. Um, my buddy uh, Paul Kuzbik has a new project coming out called Haunt Era, which uh, sounds pretty cool. Um, Skull Creek Studios, obviously. Uh, Will Ardell, um, who's one of the best songwriters I know. Uh, I know you've had him on the podcast. Um, he's I consider him a close friend. He did a couple of songs on the album with me. You know, he's definitely someone worth uh, worth checking out. It's like digging for gold. You know, you still got to dig through the earth and you got to get through the topsoil and, you know, the crust and the rocks and the tree roots and everything to get down to it. If you're not willing to, you know, dig through the rough stuff, then you're not really going to get to the good stuff. Whenever inspiration strikes, it's just good to listen to it and, you know, get it down. Because like I said, once it's gone, it's gone. Hey everyone, my name's Kit Langfield, and you're listening to Every Song as a Story with Big City Productions. <laughs>